0: Well, good morning, church. Grateful to be with you here at another online service. Uh, We are continuing in our series in Romans chapter eight uh, this morning, and Romans eight is one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible, and so we've been the last uh, three weeks, I believe this is our fourth week or fifth week, uh, just digging in verse by verse, seeing what it is that the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us about the heart of God, about the character of God, about the Holy Spirit, about uh, these pervasive changes that take place when we're saved and when we're kept by God through Christ, by the Spirit. And so we are going to cover some ground this morning. We're going to be in verses 11 through 17. I'm going to read those and then we will dig in. Romans 8, 11 through 17. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies Uh, on this Father's Day I want to at the outset say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there happy Father's Day dad um, and it's fitting that today is Father's Day because in the text right here that we just read we get to see our relationship with God as our earth as our heavenly father um, we see this 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 word Abba this word that means father or dad or papa um, now I'm fortunate Uh, I love my dad. My dad loves me. My older brother, Rob. We both love our father. The Bible, in fact, says that the glory of sons is their father. And that's just what this text is all about. Uh, This text is about really this idea of the proof of our eternal security and our assurance that we are going to be with God is that the very fact that we love God our Father. See, Romans 8 has taught us as we've been journeying through this that we are secure because of the cross of Christ. That, we, um, that the requirement of the law was actually fulfilled in Christ. He died for us. And secondly... Uh, the proof of our, uh, our eternal security, our assurance with God, is produced out of that faith that we have. So we, we, we've been given this, this rebirth, and now we're transferred. We're given the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're given the very Spirit of God himself through Christ. And now because of that, um, we set our minds, we set our ambitions, we set our delights in the things of God because we're changed. Uh, And now Paul also in this text shows us the third proof of our security in God. Uh, How we can be sure that we are kept by him, that we are saved, that we are um, loved by God. And it's this, the third proof of our security, it's it's not really an objective one. It's not a theological one, uh, but it's a subjective one. And this is what it is. This is what he's talking about. It is our inner witness. Um, It's this, uh, it is an actual feeling. It is an actual experience. It's something internal that happens within us when God saves us. Uh, This is the one that we sing about, right? This is one that moves our hearts. We have songs like this that we sing, right? From the inside out, Lord, my soul cries out to you. That, that's the feeling, that's the idea, that's the experience that we're talking about. The, the Apostle Paul is talking about right here in Romans 8 or the old hymn that says, in my heart there rings a melody, there rings a melody of love. Um, talking about this internal change, this internal um, happening. Uh, there is something within us that the very Son of God speaks to to our hearts. Um, and that means that this one that we long for, um, this one that we hope will love us, this one that we hope will uh, have us and keep us and hold us, he's actually placed his sacred presence in our very hearts, in our ever, every day, ever-present reality. So this means we couldn't be more complete in Christ. Romans eight helps us realize how uh, rich we are, and Paul is calling us to just to dig in and enjoy Him and all of His richness and all of His goodness. Um, Romans eight reminds us. Because of this, because of this internal witness that we are never on our own. We're never left alone. Paul talks about it. We're never orphans. We're not left. Romans 8, listen to this. This is incredible. Calms our ever-present fear that we're missing out on something. Um, I don't know if you're anything like me, but, boy, we struggle with that. Uh I think we struggle greatly with that, that we're, we're missing out, that we're, we, we've, we've missed the call, that we've somehow we aren't invited in. But Romans 8 says there is an inner renewing. And Romans 8 shows us the glorious humility of God, that God, the, the greatness of God, the one who is good and trustworthy and beautiful would stoop down, and he would dwell with me. And he dwells with you. Um, Romans 8 reminds us that his presence with us could not be more sincere and more generous. He is a good, good father. We have a good, good heavenly father and know that this Father's Day. Um, this is something, this internal renewing, this internal knowing this internal um, idea that the Apostle Paul talks about, that his spirit bears witness with our spirit, that we're sons and daughters of God, is something only the Christian knows. It is very difficult to explain, but it is so grounding to experience. Uh, It's so wonderful to experience. And so Romans 8, we learned that I am secure and found in God because Christ died, and by the Spirit of God we are changed, and we no longer walk in the flesh, but we walk in the Spirit. And not only that, we feel him. We know we are loved by him from the inside out. It's this idea that we, that the scripture talks about. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. We can't quite describe it, but we love it. Augustine said this 1,500 years ago, and it is still true today as he's describing what this feeling is. He says this about God. You made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Um, so that nagging feeling that we've been left out that I think all of us struggle with in some way, that maybe that we're always on the outside of things looking in wishing we could get in. Romans 8 uh, declares that we can let that wretched feeling go um, The internal love of God placed by God through Christ keeps us in this wonderful place. Let's look at verse 12. Paul says, So then, brothers, we are debtors. That's an interesting thing to say. He says, we are debtors. So when you're a debtor um, or when you are indebted, your behavior is constrained, right? We must or you must honor the one that you owe. So, think about it this way: You don't pray about whether or not you should pay your debts, right? You pray about whether or not you're able to pay your debts, right? You pray that you can pay your debts because uh, the end of the month is coming, right? And you know you have got to pay that mortgage or you've got to pay that car note, whatever it is in your life. It's it's you are under obligation. You are constrained by something. So we owe it to those that we are indebted to. And so if the money is loaned, we have an obligation to pay it back. And Paul says that you and I are debtors. But we're not debtors in the flesh, he says there in verse 12. But we are under a debt of love. This is what Paul's trying to get us to understand. Our hearts, through Christ, by the Spirit have been flooded with grace they have been flooded um, with the love of God our minds have been illumined we uh, we are alive we are we are awake to the realities of God our will has been changed our mind now understands the grace of God and we obey him now because we must we are under a debt of love we are constrained now by his love but it is a good thing It's a beautiful thing. We obey God, in other words, because we love him. And we long to obey him. We are debtors not according to the flesh, but to the spirit. We love him. He is a good father. And we long to obey our good father because we know he has what is best for us. And so the gospel, uh, it just confronts and just clashes with this me first mentality. There's nothing divine about this me-first mentality that is so pervasive in our world and in our culture. Instead, God has redirected us. He's changed that. He's changed our minds and he's given to me and to you, those of us in Christ, if you know him, himself, his very best. That's amazing. And now the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. And so we long now to obey God in all that he commands of us because we love him. Um, do you ever just obey because of rules? I don't. I mean, that's just, we we hate being constrained by just rules on a sheet of paper or rules that we're just told. The only way that you and I uh, follow rules is if we know the one making the rules is giving them to us out of love for our good and for our best. So for example, when you were a kid, um, I was thinking about it this way. You, we, we would go to the neighborhood pool and uh, there are signs plastered all over the neighborhood pool that always say, do not run, right? And what does every kid do the minute they arrive at the neighborhood pool and they take their shirts off? They start running around the pool, right? Because they don't care what a sign says, and the only reason that they'll stop is if a lifeguard blows a whistle at them and says, quit running, which happens all the time. Um, we are not motivated by a list on a piece of paper posted on a wall. Uh, we weren't as children, and we certainly are not as adults. I think the only one who who may have kept a rule like that is if it was... Um, the owner of that pool and it was his child and he fully understood the reason why uh, he would ask his child not to run because he knows that my dad knows what's best for me. And if I run over here on this part, I may slip and fall and break a bone or have something horrific happen that they would understand the heart of the one that made the rule and that it was really for their good and for their best. Would we still run and break the rule? Yeah, occasionally we would. But out of love for the one that made the rule, we would keep it. Um, we obey our Father out of love, not just the rule of law. That's why the Apostle Paul says, we don't have a spirit of slavery and of fear, but we have a spirit now um, of adopted sons and daughters, so that now when we hear our good father, we long to obey him because we know that he loves us and he's been a good father. Um, Verses 13 and 14. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Um, what is this getting at? Um, good fathers prompt us to get rid of things that will harm us. Um, and that is in fact how we know that they love us. Good fathers do not let us walk knowingly directly into harm. Um, A good father would not let his child just simply play in the street where there are cars coming. He would yank him out of the way and say, you cannot do that. You need to be rid of this because there's something coming that you are not aware of that I am, that I'm trying to protect you from. Um, Good fathers help you put to death the things that will kill us. They help us realize them. They help us come to understand them so that we uh, might have more of him. That's how we know that our fathers love us, that they would actually say something. If they didn't love us, they would say nothing. And our father is so good to us That he shows us the way of the flesh is wrong and where it's going to harm us and where it's going to have us fall into lust, into anger, into impurity, into malice, into jealousy, into greed. And he's saying, protect yourself from these things because they will ultimately kill you. But yet run after these things because they will give you life. These are the things of the spirit. These are the things of death. So what does this mean? This means that you can't just add Jesus into an unexamined life. It means you have to evaluate how you're living, where you're walking, uh, what your heart longs for, and do they line up with the things of God, the things that he's telling you. Because God, if you're walking with him as our good father, is going to show us places that don't line up with him, and he's going to say, you need to get rid of that. It's not of me and it's hurting you and it leads to death, not life. And so church, I'll ask you this, this Father's Day. What are some places in your life right now, this week, this year, that your good father is telling you and calling you to root out and to put to death? What are those places uh, you can right now ask him by the spirit, will, will our good heavenly father show us those places? And let's listen to him. We obey him because we love him because we know that he is good. Verse 15, the reason we obey is love, watch this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We don't obey God because we're afraid of him. We obey him because we love him as a child loves his father It knows that his father knows what is best. He keeps going on, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We're children. We have a good heavenly father. We are adopted into the family of God. And so this old word, Abba, is an old Aramaic word. Um... It's the word that a child would use for papa or dad. It is a, a close word for father. It's, the, it's, it's the, the familial word for father. Jesus even uses this word when he cries out to God. He uses it in the Garden of Gethsemane. In one of the very worst moments of his life, he's crying out to his father. So Paul is telling you and I, this is incredible, That because of the work of Jesus, because of the work of the Spirit in our lives, we can cry out to God our Father in the same way Jesus does. Like a child calling out to his dad. That's how close God is to us now. That's incredible. Um, I love it when my kids call me dad. Or daddy. Daddy. My little, my little three-year-old, my daughters do. I don't correct them. I would be insulted if my children called me Mr. Eppers. That wouldn't bring me joy. I would feel distant from them. I wouldn't feel love. Church, the cross of Christ was God smashing the barriers of formalities between us and God. We don't have to grovel at his feet or call him sir or master. Um, God through Jesus is now near to us. Our heavenly father is now with us and we get to call him dad or papa. And he cares. By faith in Christ, uh, we are to draw near. And that is a sure sign that the Spirit is alive in us. Why? Verse 16. Listen to this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit is actively involved. It's a personal experience that God gives to you. When the Holy Spirit bears witness to your heart that God is your father and you you are his child, you begin to see God's redemptive purposes, God's redemptive glory in every landscape of your life. Catch this. Even in your regrets. That means that God is doing something. God is redeeming every single place in you. And you see everything in a whole new light. And everyone needs that. I need that. You need that. Our world needs that. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Anyone can get it. Anyone can get it. All that is required is that you are adopted by this good father. And how are you to be adopted by this good father? You just have to be an orphan in this world. And you have to cry out to him, Abba, Father, save me. I need you. And he comes in. And he lets you into a whole new reality. Um, We can still be constrained by our flesh. We can even have Christian opinions that are right. We can say Christian facts like this. God forgives sin. We can even say, I'm a child of God. But by the spirit of God, um, it goes deeper than facts. It goes deeper than opinions. Those are just things that you can say, but not even really experience. See, By the Spirit, Christianity goes deeper than just opinions. It actually gets to convictions. And convictions are felt. That's what Paul's talking about here. When we become children of God, we actually feel the very presence of God with us in every landscape of our lives. We are convinced, we have conviction that the Spirit of God is with us. And that is an incredible thing. It's very hard to describe, but it is life-changing to experience. Listen to how C.S. Lewis describes this very thing in a letter that he wrote to one of his friends. I love this. Uh, He's talking about this moving past just knowing some facts about God to moving into experiencing God and knowing him as his great father. He writes this. During this past year, a great joy has befallen me. I love that. Um, A great joy has befallen me. Not something that he's just kind of experiencing for the moment. He said, but a joy has befallen me. Difficult though it is, I shall try to explain this in words. It is astonishing that sometimes we believe what we believe, what really, in our heart, we do not believe. For a long time, I believed that I believed in the forgiveness of sins. But suddenly, this truth appeared in my mind in so clear a light that I perceived it that as never before had I believed it with my whole heart. So great is the difference between mere affirmation by the intellect and that of faith, fixed in the very marrow and, as it were, palpable, which the apostles wrote was substance. It has bidden us to rejoice and always rejoice, Jesus has canceled the handwriting that was against us, lift up our hearts. The Spirit of God gets into our hearts and we feel the love of God, not just in a factual, academic way, but by the Spirit of God, by the cross of Christ, through God himself we're changed and we experience him because Jesus has canceled the handwriting that was against us and has given us a whole new future. We have a good Father. On this Father's Day, would you trust him? Would you ask him to come in and change you and to shape you and to mold you? And would we as his his children obey him and would we long to, not because of rules, but out of love? Let's pray. Lord, on this Father's Day, we thank you that you are a good father. We thank you that you um, bear witness with our spirit, by your spirit, that we are sons and daughters and that we get to experience your love. God, we thank you for that reality. Thank you that Jesus canceled the handwriting that was against us and that now gives us new life. And I pray that we, as C.S. Lewis wrote those many years ago, would lift up our hearts and would experience you in profound ways this day, this year, and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.